This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you here. Glad you're here. You know, before we get going, it is Memorial Day weekend, and a lot of times growing up, you think about Memorial Day weekend. Well, it's just a three-day weekend. It's a lot more than that, okay? If you are a veteran of war in any, any way, any form, I'd ask you to stand right now. We just want to honor you real quick here. Anybody in here? Yeah, there's a bunch of you. Thank you. Thank all of you. God bless you. Thank you again. Freedom isn't free, so we appreciate all you did. We love our nation. Well, bless all of you again. I'm glad you're here physically. Again, you want to are watching live stream, bless you. But Pastor does so much better live. So much better. So that's a, a tribute to you guys. If you got a Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll go to 1 Timothy 4 and then 2 Timothy 3. And we'll work our way back into the Old Testament this morning. We're still on our series to truly live. And so as you turn to 1 Timothy 4, my thought on truly live, the only way you truly live is to live how God asks us to live. In order to do that, you've got to obey the word of God. The prophet Hosea said in Hosea 4, 6, he said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. My people perish because they reject knowledge or they've ignored knowledge. And so my goal today, again, is to preach the word of God to you. I don't do you any good just giving you a motivational message, okay? Again, I know people's natures. We like to be uplifted. We, we like to be celebrated. I'm all for that. But we also need to be challenged and we need to be corrected by the word of God and so I believe some of these passages today will directly speak to you for the times we live in. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. And now the Spirit or the Holy Spirit expressly or explicitly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. And so the Holy Spirit distinctly, clearly reveals that in the last days, some will depart from the truth. They'll fall away from the truth. They'll abandon the truth. And so what you see here is, is Paul is the writer here, but the Holy Spirit through him specifically warns and says in the last days, this is how it's going to look. Now, look what he forecasts very next. They will give heed or they will devote themselves to deceiving spirits, to deluding spirits or spirits of deception that operate through mankind, and doctrines of demons, inspired revelations and theories, false teachers that are inspired by the devil. And so right here you begin to see this was the Holy Spirit's warning for the times we live in. That this is taking place right now. That's why it's so important that you stay with the Bible. So important you stay with the truth. You know our God, he never changes. That's Malachi 3. And his word never changes. That's Psalms 119. 119.89. His word is forever settled in heaven. Stay with the things of God. The, the, the truth of the word of God 
And he goes on to say in verse 2 that they will speak lies. The word will, will become so, and people will come so insensitive to spiritual truth. They, they will speak lies in hypocrisy. They will contradict the Bible is what this is talking about. And he goes on and says, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And if their conscience is seared with a hot iron, they become dead to that. Their conscience won't bother them at all. Now, here's a good indicator for you. Let's just suppose that I was to tell Mia a lie today. I mean a, a big, fat, juicy lie. Well, if my conscience is, is seared, it won't bother me to do that. I'll lie to her every day of the week. But when your conscience isn't seared, it bothers me to sin. I don't know about you, I'm not perfect. When, when I was a sinner before I got born again, it didn't bother me to sin. I got an A plus in sinning. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, it would bother me for doing wrong. So this is a place where they've gotten into lies, deception so much, it doesn't bother them. So the question comes off of that, have they grieved or quenched the Holy Spirit? For that to take place. I believe so. And look how the Apostle Paul ends here. Having their own conscience seared with that hot iron. So do I fall in those categories? Have I gotten away from the scriptures? Turn to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this was the Apostle Paul still writing to the young pastor Timothy. Verse 1. But know this, one translation says, don't be naive to this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, dangerous times will come, times that it'll be difficult to be a Christian, a, a society that is barren of virtue. And so he warns immediately that these are going to be some of the signs that will accompany the end times. Now, as I begin to look at this list, and he'll, he'll tell us what that is. He'll give us this inventory in verses 2, 3, and 4. But as I looked at this, I begin to think, how many of these times that we begin to walk in will look like an idol in people's lives? Let me give you the definition of an idol real quick. It is anything or anyone that replaces God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despiser of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. And I read that fast on purpose. You begin to get an insight of these will be the things that our society will begin to look at. So as I begin to look at verses 2, 3, and 4, I looked at many, many different translations, and there was a couple of them that really, really stood out for, uh, to me that would get our attention. We'll be self-centered. The God of me. It's all about me. Arrogant. 
they will begin to mock what is good. One of the signs of the end time, it says, that people will begin to ignore their own families. Wow. Another one here says this, that they will become addicted to lust and allergic to God. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And so what they're talking about here is they reject the very power that could change them. Many translations will say they become rejecters of God. And so their true heart is, is revealed in their conduct and their daily behavior. But the genuineness of their profession is not lived. And so one thing that a dying world finds simply embarrassing is for people to acknowledge God with their lips, but to deny him with their lifestyle. And so this is the reason I have this mannequin right here. I don't want you guys to think he was going to get lonely today, so. No, there was purpose. And so oftentimes, our lives as a Christian can be very similar to a mannequin. I can have a Jesus t-shirt. Well, because I have a Jesus t-shirt, that, that means that I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, just because you have a Tom Brady jersey doesn't make you a quarterback. And so then we look at other things. This is my, my cherished uh, women's, my badge to get into the women's conference. Could be a men of iron badge. Could be a cross around your neck. So oftentimes we have the thought, because I have a cross around my neck, that identifies me as a Christian. I can dress any way I want outwardly, but it doesn't show my heart. I can have a fish emblem on the back of my car. I can have Jesus bumper stickers. On this side, it'll say Jesus saves. On this side, it'll say this is the God squad. But see, again, oftentimes we have this thought, just because I have those things, these outward expressions, what does my inside look like? Does my inside look at all like God would desire me to? And so this is what I believe the Apostle Paul was talking about. They have the form of godliness, but deny its power. We take on the form of Christian, but the power is denied. And God, I trust only when I lust, for the apple of my eye. And so am I, am I really just a mannequin? Let me ask you something right now. What does your mannequin look like? Even more so, what does your heart look like? Now look what he goes on to say to end this verse. And from such people turn away. And from such people we're to run from. The ones that take on the form of Christian. And so again, I, I can identify my life with titles. I can say I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelist. I'm a prophet. I can look the look. I, I can talk the talk, but do I walk the walk? And so another thing that's very, very dangerous right now, and one of the reasons he says run from these, avoid this, is I believe a thing called social media. I got 10,000 followers. So we have the thought that that makes us look godly. 
I must heed what the Apostle Paul talks about in these end times, okay? So go with me into the Old Testament to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. And I'm going to be in 1 Kings 16 a little bit in uh, chapter 17 and a lot more in 1 Kings 18. Don't worry, I'll have you out of here by about 2 today. Just kidding. Some of you getting nervous. No, again, I believe these, these passages here in the Old Testament will really begin to come alive. And so, is there deception going on? Yeah, there's a lot of deception going on. That's why you stay with the Bible. It's important that you hear verses and scripture that's given. First Kings 16. Begin with me in, in verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah... Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. Now, when you look at the word, he became king over Israel. I have the thought to be king over Israel. You got to be a, a, a man of God. You, you got to live by the, 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 the Pentateuch. You got to live by the revelations of Moses to be the king of Israel. Keep reading. And so Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord. Now, we live in a society that has the thought, well, because we've made up our own rules, that overrides the things of God. That doesn't override the things of God, okay? We must do what's right in God's eyes. And so in this situation, he did openly evil in the sight of God more than all who were before him. He was the most evil of all the kings before him. Now, this is a title you don't want to have. Let's look at a little bit about what he did. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nabat. And so when you see this, he, he did... More than the, the sins of Jeroboam, it was a trivial, trivial thing. This was literally saying what he did compared to, to Jeroboam was the least of his evils. Now, Jeremo, uh, Jeroboam, he, he worshipped the golden calf was his downfall. And so we know right here that Ahab worshipped the golden calf, but this was the least of his evils. So what else did he do? That he took as a wife Jezebel. Now listen to Jezebel. The daughter Ethbel, king of the Sidonians. So he marries this woman named Jezebel who was a known Baal worshiper. Now if you've ever studied the Bible at all, this woman right here, oh Jezebel, she may be the most evil woman in the entire Bible. She hated the things of God, and she was a strong influencer, and her goal was to silence God and to silence the Word of God. Keep reading. And so Ahab went, and he served Baal, and he worshiped him. And he began to get off track. Bad. And a few weeks ago, we talked about there in the book of Song of Solomon, it says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
I wonder what little things in Ahab's life he began to compromise. We know he compromised in his marriage. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It was a no-no for a Jew to marry anybody that wasn't a Jew. But in his eyes, he thought, you know what? I can do that and God will be okay with it. It'll be okay. No, it won't. You know, I like to garden just a little bit. And I have, well, I had, I had four tomato plants, three big ones, and one little cherry one. My little cherry ones, they were already beginning to produce. And then growing up in New Mexico, I, I love green chili. So I had 10 green chili plants. And I planted them all real close together because I wanted it to be just to be a, just a mass of green chili. I mean, I could walk by it and I could look and I think, that day's coming when I'm fixing to have green chili. Well, I had some issues with my fence and we had to do a little bit of bleaching down at the bottom. Just a little bit of bleaching. And I don't know if the wind was blowing just a little bit, but a day after that bleach took place, I started looking and my tomato plants were turning brown on the ends. And my green chili wasn't even turning brown. Them little rascals were wilting over quick. And I sat there and thought, it was just a little bit of bleach, just a tiny. And see, I think that's what happens sometimes with, with sin. We think, it's just a little bit. You know what I had to do with all my green chili and three of the four tomato? But I had to pull them up by the roots. I had to get rid of them. And so you see this guy named Ahab, man, he got off track. Verse 32, then he set up an altar before Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. This guy was notorious for sacrificing children. You should think about that just a second. Just meditate on that. I can't imagine sacrificing a child. And he did it over and over. It shows you how far off track this guy was. And he says, and Ahab made a wooden image. This was an Asherah. It was a, canine, a Canaanite woman or a mistress God he made. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel before him. Now this was, this is what Ahab did. Chapter 17, verse 1. Then Elijah the Tishbite, he was from Tishbe in the inhabitants or the region of Gilead. He said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand before whom I stand in obedient service. And so if you'll note there, Elijah said this to Ahab. Elijah didn't remain silent. Elijah voiced, and he criticized, and he chastised him, and he said, the God before whom I stand. See, oftentimes as Christians, we have the thought, well, let's just be silent. We shouldn't have to tell people what we think about the Bible, but oftentimes our silence gives consent. 
Silence gives permission. When we remain silent on issues, it's as if we're saying, it's okay. But he says to him, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, the significance of this prophecy of no rain is huge because it's it's apparent when you begin to understand that the people who worship Baal, they believe that Baal controlled the rain. But Elijah tells him right here, no, Baal doesn't control the rain. My God controls the rain. And so he gets bold with him and he says, for three years, it's not going to rain. Not going to happen. Go to 1 Kings 18. Now, I ran through 1 Kings 17. Let me paraphrase that a little bit. So during this three years, Elijah just, he he vanquishes off the earth. No one can find him. And he had gone by a little brook that God would say, that will supply water for you. And then the Bible says, morning and night, the ravens would feed him with meat and bread. Morning and night. And after a period of time, the brook dried up. So that's when God sends him to the the widow with Zarephath, and she takes food for him. So now we come into 1 Kings 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. You know what God tells him? You go give him word. My God's getting ready to turn the spigot of rain back on. And when my God tells me this is what we're going to do, this is what we do. Keep reading. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And this guy knew Obadiah, Obadiah. He was a godly man. This wasn't the prophet Obadiah who wrote the book of Obadiah. Verse 4. For so it was while Jezebel massacred or cut the prophets of the Lord. Now when you read this about Jezebel again, this woman knew to get rid of God in a society, you got to get rid of the messengers and you got to get rid of the word of God. You eradicate it all. End them. This was this ungodly woman's, her goal in life. Now, she comes back into play in in the book of Revelations chapter 2. She shows up because that same spirit is alive to this day. It was in the church at Thyatira. And it says about her, she was so immoral. She encouraged the people of that frame, right there, that time frame, be immoral, be ungodly. She deceived them with her teaching She was a false prophet, and she seduced them over and over again. So I begin to think about this. Those doctrines of devils, those seducing spirits, they've been around a long time. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul said this back in Timothy. In the latter days, this is going to start getting stronger and stronger. Remember, that's what the Holy Spirit warned and forecast. Keep reading. 
So the prophet of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. So he had hid all these prophets, this guy named Obadiah. So Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land to all the springs of water and to keep all the brooks, perhaps, to the brooks, perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any of the livestock. Now, this is how dire it became. And they are searching for water. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him and he recognized him and he fell on his face and said, is that you, my Lord Elijah? Now, the reason he's so startled, no one's really seen Elijah for three years. And all of a sudden, here he is. He comes back on the scene. Verse 8, so Elijah answered, it is I. Go tell your master Elijah's here. Now, why does he tell him that? Let me paraphrase just a little bit here. When Elijah had confronted Ahab the three years before, Ahab wanted to kill him. He searched for him and he searched for him and he couldn't find him. And so when Elijah tells this guy Obadiah, go tell Ahab, I'm here. This guy named Obadiah, he freaks out because he realizes if I go tell him all this, there's a good chance Ahab's going to kill me. He's thinking, I'm going to lie to him. So we pick up in, in verse number, verse uh, 10. And so he says, as the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they say he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I'm gone from you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I did not know. And so what he's talking about, he said, I know what's going to happen, Elijah. I'm going to go tell Ahab, you're back. And when we come to look for you, you're not going to be here. You vanished again. You know what this literally means? There were times that God would move him from one place to another just like that. It's like he would vanish. You know, he did that in the New Testament also. The references that is Acts chapter 8, verses 30 and 39 and 40 with a man named Philip. That's supernatural. It, it's like he did, Elijah, I know what you're going to do. I'm going to go tell him I saw you, and then we're going to come back, and you've done a Houdini, and you're out of here, and then he's going to kill me. Verse 13. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid 150 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 who gave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your master as Elijah's here, he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So he's saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to confront him today. Verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab, and he told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when I, Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? He says to Elijah right here, 
you're the troublemaker of Israel. He blames, he blames Elijah for the drought they're in. He insults Elijah and says, it's your fault that we're this way. Verse 18, and Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. Now, when he says you and your father's house are the issue, there's two reasons they're the issue. Look at number one, the very first thing he says, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You quit teaching the commandments of the Lord. You led the people astray because you would not teach them the things of God. So what happens to human beings when they aren't taught the, the commandments of God? I talked about this a few weeks ago. If I didn't have the word of God as my guideline... Oh my gosh, my life would get into a mess just like that. Just like that. I'm thankful for the word of God that gives me the blueprint on how to live. And so the very first thing he says to him, you've gotten away from the word of God. Does that describe you and me today? So here's the next thought before I even get into the second one. If I get away from the word of God, then what replaces God in my life? Look at the second one. And you have followed the Baals. You have followed false idols and false gods. Now we look in this room and we'd all agree, I'm not gonna serve some wooden image or some carved image. But we go back to the definition of an idol. Anything or anyone that takes the place of God. So one of the ways you can answer that question, what do you pursue in your life? What's the driving force of your life? What do you live for? Is it the God of me? Is it the God of success? Is it the God of career? Is it the God of money? Is it the God of sex? Is it the God of family? Is it the God of partying? Woo, I love to party, Pastor. So right here, if I'm not turning to God, then what am I turning to? I'm going to always turn to something or someone. That's human nature. And this is going to ask you a tough question. Does that describe you? I'm looking at a research thing the other day, a statistic that goes on, and it was talking about the company Google. And so what Google has, it has a whole department that all day, every day, they look at what is the number one word that is being searched on those days. It gives them an idea what people's appetite is or what they're hungry for. Now, this one survey that I really studied took place in 2011. In 2011, the top two words that were searched on Google was sex and pornography. 
Well, Pastor, you shouldn't even talk about that in church. Well, where do you want to talk about it? Sex and pornography. The same survey said that the name Justin Bieber was searched 30 million times and the name Jesus or Father God was searched 20 million. And so just right there, now that was nine years ago. What's the appetite of our culture right now? So if we did a little homework assignment today, and I made every one of us come up here and bring up our phone, don't worry, I'm not going to do that, okay? (laughs) What would your phone reveal? Uh Uh-oh. Go ahead and answer that. Tell them, Pastor said you're late for church. See, again, when I look at these things, I begin to think we're really no different. We just have different words and different terminologies to hide our true heart. What does your mannequin look like on the outside? But more so on the inside. Keep reading. I got just one more point here. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. In other words, she provides for these. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, now this is what we're going to end with. Elijah's got everybody there. He's got everybody there. They're all listening to him. And he asked this question. How long will you falter between two opinions? Some of the definitions for the word falter are there. How long will you limp between two opinions? How long will you hesitate or waver between two opinions? The message translation says, how long are you going to sit on the fence? So when you look at that word there, how long will you falter? It betrays the double-mindedness of the people. You're either going to follow God, the Lord, wholeheartedly or not. And so part of this, it'll cross references to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 8. And James says this, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He vacillates. That his allegiance is to that of God one day and his allegiance to the things of the world are different the next day. And so does this describe me right here? I I can't divide my allegiance. I I can't rationalize my my allegiance. See, God is on a search. God has always been for a search. And God searches. He looks for the humble. He looks for the one that are are broken in their spirit and their heart. He looks for ones that tremble at his word. He looks for ones that revere his commands and say, I'm going to serve you, Father God. I'm going to serve you all the days. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to serve you. And so I can go back to the beginning of of what we started with, and, and I can blow all that off that the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, and I can say, That doesn't pertain to me. I'm exempt from that. 
Don't be naive. The 12th commandment is thou shalt not kid thyself. And so when I began to look at this, I thought, Father God, I, I, I want you to come on the inside. I, I want to be different. I want to live for you all the days of my life. I ask you to stand up right there. See, when I read this, God wants every one of us to truly live. But the only way I truly live is I do it his way. Anytime I get outside of the word of God, I get off track. Pastor, have you ever been off track? Once. About once a day. I still got a flesh. I still say things sometimes that I shouldn't. The difference now is I've been saved by grace through faith and I know and I can repent. I can come before God. I can say, man, Father God, I blew it again today. Help me. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, you know the heart of every one of us in this room. And if any way we've downplayed your word, we've compromised your word, we've strayed from your word, we've got off track from your word, Lord, we ask today that you come into our hearts and you change our hearts. And Father God, if we've replaced you with the things of this world, if we haven't given you first place in our lives, Lord, we ask you to move in our hearts today. We ask you to sever those, those false gods, any form of deception that I'm in, and we give you glory and honor for that. I'm gonna have our praise and worship team. They're gonna sing. And I, I, I love altar calls. I, I love to come to the altar. I, I love to come to the, the, the throne room of grace and just stand before Father God. Something always happens as human beings. And we walk to the altar and say, man, I, I, I'm not here to impress anybody. I, I, I don't need another badge for my mannequin. I, I'm coming for something from my heart. So that's why I have all these X's down here so we could social distance and you could come stand on an X if you desired to. And so as they begin to sing this song today, I, I welcome you down here again. You're not doing this for me. You're doing this for you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm coming to the, I, I need to get my life right. You may just come down here and say, I come to worship. I come to praise. I just want a fresh anointing on me. I'm just glad to come back to church. If that's you today, they're going to sing and I welcome you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.